This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Hanem. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a great show today. We're going to be covering a lot of things. We're going to be covering biased media coverage of what's happening in Syria right now. Some aspects of the deal that was backed out by the U.S. government with Iran. But more importantly, live in the studio with us today, Jamal, we're going to be talking about a live, disturbing, painful example of Islamophobia here in the Bay Area. And really tragically and unfortunately, Islamophobia being directed at an officer of the peace. And it's uh, quite a disturbing story. We're going to be following it here on Arab Talk. That's right, Jess. And this is, uh, again, in our backyard right here in the Bay Area. And uh, we have with us in the studio a Muslim-American police officer, Nabil Haider. Welcome to Arab Talk. Thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, just a little background, Jess. Uh, Nabil is a Lebanese-American, Muslim-American police officer. He filed a claim uh, this week against the city of San Jose and the San Jose Police Department for continuous harassment and discrimination based upon his race, national origin, and religion. Uh, Officer Haider joined the San Jose Police Department in September of 1996 and graduated from the Police Academy in February of 1997, whereupon he was assigned to patrol duty. After the September 11, uh, 2001 terror attacks, Officer Haider began to experience a relentless stream of direct, illegal, and extremely degrading harassment and discrimination based upon his race, national origin, and religion. How did this start, uh, Nabil? The harassment started right after uh, 9-11, people start making racial comments uh, such uh, you don't need to learn how to land an airplane. All you need is how to fly, uh, which way is the White House. Further, people say, hey, uh, you're not wearing a suicidal vest. Are you even, uh, you know, patting me down, making sure when you, when you say people, these are other uh, police officers. Uh, yeah, police some, officers in the San Jose. Yes, yes. Okay. You know, uh, I, I want to clarify also that uh, most police officers are hardworking. You know, when I see, say police officers, doesn't mean the whole entire police department. Uh, most of them are hardworking, good families, but there is the few who are continuously making those kind of comments, saying, like I said, also uh, tell, tell me in one occasion after 9-11, they haven't uh, caught all the people involved. You know, I remember a particular incident when a, an officer looked at me and said, you're not one of them, are you? Uh, I do remember that vividly, but that officer is retired and moved on. So this continue, uh, most uh, these racial comments happen after briefing. Usually uh, 
are, you know, depends what time is your shift. We have three shifts. One shift start at 6.30, second swing shift at three, and midnight's at nine. During shift, there is a roll call, and the sergeant will stand, and he will do the roll call for the officers. And then after the roll call will be a small team meeting, which is uh, the, the city is divided into several districts, and each district has a team which made between four to six officers. So after the roll call will be a small meeting. And during after the roll call, some officer makes some comments, you know, ISIS, things like that. I, I read so, somewhere that they uh, were referring you as uh, El Taliban. Taliban, Beirut bomber. So you tend to ignore those. You start in your career, young, new immigrant. My parents still back home, uh, trying to help, trying to send money back there. Sure. So there is things greater good for something, and you have to let go. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that officer who rocked the boat. You have, have aspiration to go different units, specialized unit, become a detective. And you don't want to go to a unit where no one wants you. No one want to work with you because you are based on that person who rocked the boat, who trying to make it hard that uh, I don't have thick skin. So tend to move on, not to think, try to concentrate. There's more priority in life. So, Nabil, this is a very disturbing story. Let's put things into context for our listeners. You are a police officer for the city of San Jose, and you are a sworn officer to protect people, to protect the people of San Jose. Yes. And you had been working there for over 20 years as a police officer. And it's a very stressful job to begin with. Um, You put your life on the line literally every day. And you're saying, in addition to this, that you were getting what sounds like to us regular, constant harassment because of who you are as a person, your faith, your background, your ethnicity. That must have just created so much stress for you on a daily basis. How did you manage that? Well, like I said earlier, it's kept me as my family back home, the people that rely on me. I lost during the war. That's the reason I came here, because of the war. I lost family. I lost relatives. I lost my sister's husband, Lyle died during the 06 war between Hezbollah and Israel. And he left her with two kids. Those things are more important. And you were trying to just support them? Yes. So many people depends on you. I'm the only one here. Met my wife, married her, and still supporting people who rely. And, and didn't stop there. You think, you know what, okay, it gets old, move on, people move on. My patrol car was the only way I can sit and not hear anything, be away. You don't have to be 
in briefing. You don't have to be in those meetings. It was my kind of like a place where I can be by myself. So it sounds uh, initially you didn't want to rock the boat and you didn't want to go and complain immediately. No. You know, you how, long, how long did this take you before you went and filed uh, an internal complaint? Till last year, where this thing's become unbearable. When, when so s- after 20 years, took yes. you 20 years. Well, I'll re- 17 years. 17. I mean, you've been with the force 21 years. The harassment started after 9-11. 9-11, 2001. So and then up, 17, up years 17 years, you're just like, putting up with this and well it was the breaking point it's Did like something happened to make it the breaking point of course uh usually after after it's go you, you become numb you become numb and you try to push ahead and move along and then it's like a disease it's like somebody chipping at your soul if i blow up your house because of your religion or race or color you can build it and move on. But when I chip at your soul day in and day out, it's torture. On a, a day before Veterans Day, I was sitting in a briefing room. There were about approximately 100 police officers and the command staff, which is sergeant, lieutenant, and captain. One of the captains, he was congratulating congratulating the uh, veterans in the police department for their service. A supervisor, say, stands in a briefing in front of everybody and said, Captain, you forgot Nabil. He's been, he's a veteran. He has been with ISIS for two years. Wow. And everybody starts laughing. Wow, wow. So I looked at the captain, hoping he will say something because he's the highest command officer but he was laughing and pointing at me and bear in mind there was a new recruits who are starting the police force people yeah are officers but i am a senior officer so these are young officer that i don't know you know most of them and sending this message to somebody who just sitting in the front row as a young officer, it was mind, mind shocking. So everybody started laughing and I was like kind of shocked. Further go down because it was a veterans, veterans day, uh, kind of like they had, they had some little food on a second deck in a parking, parking structure. And a deputy chief, walks in, sits in front of me, he's laughing, and he said, I heard what they said in the briefing, and and he continued laughing. And I said, yeah, they call me ISIS. And, and I look at, there's, there's another officer who's sitting across of me, and I said, well, she heard it and she saw it. He looks at me and said, well, she saw you where? In Iraq, fighting with ISIS? Mm. That's what I realized that from the command staff all the way down, you know, uh, 
they dis they despise me because of my religion. Nabil, that is an incredibly disturbing story that you have just told us. And it's hard to imagine what it's like for you to have to go through that on a daily basis when you're charged with one of the most important jobs that we have in our civil society. This is an attack on you, your integrity, your ethnicity, your faith, everything. It's a I think you said it. It's like an attack on your soul, chipping away at it. And you had to withstand that for so many years, but I guess that was the tipping point. Well, it was the tipping point, but there's more. Yeah, tell us. Tell us. Actually, I just, uh, I mean, when I take us back to, you know, we were talking outside when you came to this country, a young man, 18, hopeful, went to Fresno State. I mean, what was your dream and aspiration? Well, growing up in Lebanon, living the civil war, making sure you are the right place because you don't want to be at the wrong place, losing a lot of family. When you start your school with 40 students and you end the school with only 10, you learn not to ask questions because you know the rest were, are dead. So you move on. And you start having dream that you want to move, go different where, different country, to start a new, have a new family. And it was America. Everybody heard about America, the land of the free. Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, saying, I can live there. They're going to respect me. So you go there, you start like any other immigrant, working odd jobs, trying to learn the language and hoping you will have a family and have kids where they can say they are American Lebanese instead of Lebanese American. Take your time. You're listening to the voice of Officer Nabil Haidar, is a Lebanese-American, Muslim-American police officer with the San Jose Police Department who recently filed a claim against the city of San Jose and the San Jose Police Department for continuous harassment and discrimination based upon his race, national origin, and religion. And we've been talking, I mean, I know it's very difficult for you, especially. But Jamal, this, this really seems like everything that we've been reporting on for such a long time to really be a classic case of Islamophobia and uh, being directed against... Islamophobia, racism, I mean... It's and xenophobia. And xenophobia. And, uh, Within the San Jose Police Department, and, and again, I, I don't think we can emphasize enough that this is a difficult enough job as it is and you know, you're put in harm's way literally every day. And yet, Nabil, it seems, not only had to be in harm's way when you're on patrol, but also from the people that are supposed to, you know, we know this, have your back. Did you feel like these people had your back? There are good officers, you know, and most San Jose police have good officers, but there's a few and 
that's where you don't want to be around those few. Sometimes you have to think and look who is responding with you to a call to make sure to make sure that I don't want to be near those officers. The majority are good people. They work hard. They they provide for their family. They came from back good backgrounds, but you get the few who always use the racial tone. I'm not sure what do they mean, trying to send a message or or they are scared. To continue with my story, after I went to Fresno State, I graduated from Fresno State with a Bachelor of Science in Criminology. And uh, after that, I was picked up by the San Jose Police Department. And I started the academy, graduated, and started my uh, patrol. And of course, I have to do field training officer. We call it FTO, you go through training. And after 9-11, like I said, and to that breaking point happened briefing. So after that, an IA was initiated, internal affair investigation was initiated by the chief. What year was that? That was last year. And uh, they started the IA initiative, but nothing happened. The people who, the person who made that comment, still out on the street, the supervisor. So, no, said, so oh, no, no disciplinary action was taken? No. He was still on the street, even along with the captain, even the deputy chief. We'll go forward to Martin Luther King Day. During that time, after that incident happened at briefing and Martin Luther King Day, I always avoided to attend briefing. I have told a sergeant who she was in charge, if you have, they call it CIT, uh, which is uh, if you have any problem at home or you have any mental problem or you feel depressed or or any what kind, you talk to her and she is able to uh, provide help. So it's kind of like almost like officer slash psychiatrist, psychologist. So I told her what, was our, what I was going through and I told her I cannot attend briefing. I don't wanna run into the people who made those comments. I just wanna go straight to my patrol car and just drive away which is she facilitated that. She talked to the other supervisor, and most of them, they agreed. And since that incident till Martin Luther King Day, I always call before shift start, and I say, hey, put me out in the field, which is, okay, whoever in charge. So Martin Luther King Day, in the morning, I call in around 6.15, a sergeant who's not my immediate supervisor, he gets on the phone, so I tell him my name, tell him, please put me out in the field. I'm gonna be working this this beat. And all of a sudden he goes out into rage, say, What? We all you are always out in the field. You always put you out in the field. I'm always watching you, and you're not in the field. And he starts raging. Deep inside, kinda like 
watching me. You are always watching me. And I never worked under this supervisor. All I knew him is, hello, hello, hi, hi. Are you, what do you think? I am an ISIS. You are always watching me. So I had to calm him down where he's raging and screaming on the phone. I thought, okay, I will attend the briefing. So he hangs up. So I call another supervisor, which is, he was understanding and he knew what's going on. He said, don't worry about it. I will handle it. So my day has already started on a bad note. So we'll go further. Same day, I get dispatched to a, what they call it, priority call, came out as possibly burglary in progress, where a lady calls in and say there's somebody inside her house laying on the couch, something like that, and she doesn't recognize this person. So I go there, other officer also responding. When I got there, the officer's already there, and the suspect was already handcuffed and sitting on a curb. There's an officer who also had a recruit with him, which is he was FTO. And there was other officer also have recruits. So he told me, Nabil, could you s- stay with this the suspect here so I can go inside the, the apartment and teach my recruit? I say, sure. So he goes, I'm s- staying with the suspect. And bear in mind that now we have those body-worn cameras. And my body-worn cameras was on, rolling. No provocation, nothing. A su- an officer comes out, a white officer comes out, and there's a distance. As soon as he sees me, he goes, lee, 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 and gesturing in his hand as he's a suicide bomber, like he exploded. As I'm in shock, I look and say, what's that? He does it again. I'm still kind of like in shock and trying to handle, be cordial. There's a suspect sitting on a curb. You don't want to, you don't want to behave. You don't want to say anything. Further, he, uh, he makes a comment. I have a knife secured to my duty belt. And he makes a comment. He looks at the knife and he say, what's that? Is this a, a Lebanese throat cutter? What is this shit? Excuse my language. Lebanese throat cutter, as I am an ISIS going around and cutting people's neck with a knife. A witness officer standing next to us, he say, Nabil, isn't your body camera on? I said, yes. So that officer, he gets closer and said again, hi, is this a Lebanese throat cutter? And then he looks at me, he looks at the camera, and he gives me the middle finger. So it doesn't sound, these, th- these things don't sound like an isolated incident with one officer or two. It seems like the entire department almost, well, or, they, or at least they felt very comfortable to do this over well, that, and over again. That's the point, Jamal, is that because of the lack of accountability and the lack of uh, consequences for this kind of 
hateful attack on Nabil that other officers felt that they could act with impunity to basically attack viciously Nabil and to do it on, not just on a call, but you had your, you had your camera on at the time. So it's, it was like he was giving the finger to you, but also to the idea that there's nothing you can do about this. This seems especially like, uh, I don't know what to say, Jamal, like really acting with impunity as if they're above the law somehow. And to do this in front of a suspect, that must have been horrific. You know, it didn't end there. Hmm. So I was so disgusted. And the officer who's a witness, he was so disgusted. And he looked at me, and we were looking at each other, and we were kind of like and shocked. And he's a veteran too. And, uh, and it's like I can tell we're looking, locking eyes together. We are just trying to process what is going on. So I said I need to leave. I turn off my camera. Before I leave, uh, the same officer, he asked me if I am a field training officer. I said, no. He said, well, you'll be a good one. You can teach those recruits how to be jihadi shit and how to make pie bombs. Is this officer, I should ask, is he still with the department? He's still working the streets. He's still working the streets and and how many how many times have you raised this issue with your supervisor or superiors? Uh, I have not raised it before. The, the tipping point it happened when that that incident happened briefing. And this and this is what year was this? It was last year. It was last year. But it and continued. It continued to this year. The second one, you know, the camera footage happened in January 2018, and. Uh, just my suspicion, it was the same. Who do I go to? If a deputy chief looked at me and he say, saw you where? In Iraq, fighting with ISIS? Who do I go to? And if I did the same thing 10 years ago, the result would be the same as now. Nothing would happen. As of the second incident, which happened in January of 2018, they didn't open, which is, it was also filed through the internal affair. And they didn't open the investigation till, well, they haven't opened it because I am the victim and they have to speak with me. And I just get a notice that they, to make an appointment with internal affair on Tuesday. So I have to talk to them tomorrow regarding the incident happened in January. Wow. <coughs> Nabil, we, um, we've heard these stories a lot, Jamal, but I have to say this one is really among the most disturbing that I've heard. And I don't think we can exaggerate that very much because, you know, as you said, Nabil, you were just trying to not cause waves, be a good uh, worker, a good officer, support your family back home. And so, and serve the community. And serve the community. But it sounds like at the San Jose Police Department that there is systematic, possibly systemic, 
Islamophobia, racism, and xenophobia, that there's no accountability within the San Jose Police Department. This is, this is disturbing. Yes, it is. Even though there is big push into diversity and ethnicity. Except if you're Arab. If Except you are. if you're Muslim. So far, I am the only uh, Lebanese Muslim who came immigrant, basically. Came Out of from, how many officers? From, uh, I think we have about 900, approximately. That doesn't sound very diverse, Nabil. There, there is a Persian, uh, Persian Muslim, I believe, but he came here maybe when he was five. That, that uh, doesn't sound diverse, really. Middle Eastern, I am the only one on the police department who reads, writes, uh, and speaks Arabic. And to me is to use this language and try to build a bridge to the community and reach out to the Middle Eastern. doesn't have to be what kind of religion you are. The Arabic, they use this, my ethnicity and my background and religion just to harass me. Well, it sounds this uh, all systematic and definitely, I mean, it's horrific to hear this story considering the fact that you had to put up with this for 17 years before you you decided really to come publicly speaking about it. I, uh, what's the recourse? I mean, I know um, you have a, uh, a lawsuit now, but what would you like? I don't know if you can speak about it or not, but what would you like to see done? And how can the San, Fran- I mean, the San Jose uh, Police Department uh, remedy this situation? I want accountability. That's the most important. Right. I want it to be accountability throughout the rank, not just officers. I want accountability for deputy chiefs, captains, lieutenants, sergeants, and officers. That's what I'm asking for. Um, as there's no policy or, or memo came out after the incident stating, hey, this shouldn't be happen. Hey, I want to remind you, policies already exist regarding such of those things. And race-biased classes were taken and implemented. Just enforce those policies. I mean, uh, with all due respect, the police department is the higher authority, and it should be leading in enforcement of, you know, preventing hate, racism, rather Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, you know, uh, homophobia, all, all, all these well, xenophobic well, behaviors, and it, it looks like it's festering from, from within. Well, exactly. The thing is, what would the command staff or the chief would do if this one of his supervisor at the community meeting and he calls one of the audience ISIS, what he will would do, what the chief will do if one of his officer responded to some new Syrian immigrant who just came from Syria and they don't speak very well English and he makes fun of a knife 
or calling them, oh, you can be teach how to make pipe bombs or can be jihadi shit. And that thing caught on a camera and went viral. I mean, is, uh, was the tape released? Did the uh, San Jose Police Department make this tape available? Can you, I guess you can, I guess your attorneys can subpoena this and... Well, my attorney will be able to answer yes, he can subpoena that. But when it's involved in internal investigation or department, internal personnel, they're not released. Well, Nabil, we, we want to thank you for your courage to come on the show today because it's not easy to tell a story like this. We understand that it took a lot of courage for you to do this and to, because you're not just standing up for yourself. You're standing up for all people who are in this situation that we live in, in the Bay Area in the United States, who are being attacked because of their faith, their ethnicity, their race, whatever. So you're really speaking on behalf of many people. And we do appreciate you coming in and your courage for doing so. We want to follow this case. So we're hoping that you will come back. And when there's another update... We, we'd like you to come back, and uh, we wish you the best in your, in your case and in your journey. Be safe. We're going to take a short uh, break, and then when we return, we will update our listeners on more news. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back to... Arab Talk on KPOO, San Francisco, 89.5 FM. Jamal, I mean, this is the Bay Area. This is in our backyard, and this is someone who's dedicated his life to protecting the community. 21 years. 21 years, and yet he has people who are supposed to have his back calling him ISIS, calling him a throat slasher, throat cutter, pipe bomb, in front of suspects and demeaning him, you know, in meetings. I mean, look, we've been talking about Islamophobia for years. I teach a course that includes issues about racism and Islamophobia and profiling and through the media and, and so forth. And we've had guests, many guests here from CARE. Uh, the right. And AMP. AMP and others. And we've seen incidents, incidents involving average people, mostly many of the women who wear the hijab, who are viewed to be the weaker, uh, both on the gender, but also as kind of an average citizen. But this is a police officer, a trained police officer within one of the largest cities in the Bay Area. And one of the largest police forces. And, 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 one of, and actually a very growing uh, Arab and Muslim community. You know, Silicon Valley employs thousands of Muslim Americans and Arab Americans. Probably tens of thousands, Jamal. And here Probably. he, and, and to listen to this, I mean, when, when Nabil actually, his attorney contacted us and just to... Tell our listeners this is the impact of our show in, in the Bay Area because we are the only voice on the air. Un, which is unbelievable. And also yeah. on Facebook that handles uh, issues like this. 
I was surprised. I was shocked. I was shocked because I said, oh, this is a police officer. And within the department, I mean, you hear stories about corruption. You hear stories about other, you know, but this is ongoing. And I thought it was a recent incident. But, you know, he was patient for 17 years. Didn't want to rock the boat. Kind of looked the other way. Tried to be a good officer. Tried to be a good officer, and and this persisted for 17 years. It's unbelievable, Jamal. And, you know, we like to fancy ourselves here in the Bay Area as being so progressive and ahead of the curve. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand whether or not you're from the Bay, from California, for anybody else, this form of Islamophobia, xenophobia, racism— Anti-Arab hatred is deep. And we're not going to remain silent about it. We won't be silent. And this is part and parcel of what we've been talking about for for how many years now, but made worse now by the fact that people in power, whether or not you're the president or the chief of police, that it's okay to be hateful, it's okay to bully people, and it's okay to attack people because of your faith, your ethnicity, or your race. It's, it's, it's truly beyond the pale, unacceptable, and something, as you said, Jamal, we will not be silent about this. And somebody, somebody should be held accountable. Uh, we will keep talking about this subject. We will. And in this particular case, we urge our listeners to hopefully you've, uh, you know, you've listened carefully to this interview and you can share it uh, once we post it uh, online. But uh, certainly for our viewers on Facebook, we ask, ask you to share it so this kind of thing does not repeat itself in other communities and other cities. Yeah, you know, and, and we said this, Jamal, it took a lot of courage for Nabil to come here today and tell us his story. And I say, you know, we always say, speak up, speak out, say something. Uh, it's, you know, these people won't stop because all these tactic, tactics, they really remind me of the bully, a bully, you know? This is a bullying tactic. It so is. So if you remain silent, the more they're going to come after you. That's right. And you have to kind of resist them. Well, you know, this climate that we're in right now, it's always been there, Jamal, and I think it's important to understand that uh, it's not as if this xenophobia xenophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Arab sentiment is just happening now. But I will say that in this last year, under this current administration, it's been made 10 times worse. And just a reminder to our listeners, next week we will be talking about academic freedom. And this time, because I know many of you listen to Professor Rabab Abdelhadi, but this time we will have another professor from the very, very famous University UC Berkeley, right here in the Bay Area, Dr. Hatem Bazian, who have has been, been attacked. Has been attacked <laughs> again, you know, and he has been relentlessly attacked, and most recently because he invited uh, to, I guess, uh, to one of his lectures, uh, the Palestinian. Uh, Israeli Knesset member Hanin Zobi. Imagine. So, so wait a minute. He invited an Israeli member of the Knesset. Yes. 
Hanin Zabi, and she she was on campus. And, and she was being attacked. And he has been attacked. And they've been trying to silence him. Another br- brilliant professor from the Bay Area, Palestinian-American, with a P- PhD from UC Berkeley. And he's, you know, there is a whole campaign to kind of well, discredit, discredit right. him and get him fired. Well, this is just part of the, the, the tip of the iceberg, Jamal, of... You know, some of the things that have been happening, but it's happening in the Bay Area. That's one of the points here. Well, there are hundreds of stories like this all over the country, outside and other countries. And my policy, you'll have to kill us before we remain silent. I mean, literally, I'm using this word. We will not remain silent. If you have a story like this, come to us. We will share it. We will share it. We will will talk about it. And we urge anyone who is in the media to report on these things because this Islamophobia, this anti-Arab, anti-Muslim, anti-Palestinian, you know, uh, behavior Rhetoric, rhetoric, propaganda needs need to end immediately. Well, we only have a minute or so left, Jamal. But I think uh, we'll we'll probably bring this up on another show. But this is part of the larger picture of what's happening in the media. Like, for example, how Palestinians in Gaza, who, you know, in a in a non-violent attempt to exercise their inalienable right to protest and to return home are shot and killed by snipers, by the Israeli military snipers, how that's portrayed on TV, how the attacks in Syria and in occupied Golan Heights, how these are portrayed on the TV. They're portrayed, rather, as the aggressor, Israel, protecting itself. And this is part of the same problem that we see it, what is it called, the trickle-down effect, Mm -hmm. that the same problem that we see here with Nabil, we're seeing it everywhere. Yeah, and and the dissemination of false information. Fake news. Fake news. The real fake news. The real fake news. Uh, In fact, yesterday I posted a screenshot for those who are following (coughs) us on Facebook. You could see it on my Facebook page, Jamal Dajani, too. Uh, about uh, a report. Uh, the fake Golan the, report. Yeah, exactly. And this was from CNN about the uh, recent uh, Israeli retaliation in Syria, supposedly well, because, it wasn't of, retaliation. because of uh, rockets uh, launched uh, from Syria. And in that report, they refer to the Golan Heights as the Golan Heights Israel. Imagine, this is CNN. I I have breaking news for CNN, Jamal. It's occupied Syria is the Golan Heights. It's occupied Syria. It's not part of— But you see, this is is the audacity that they are able to just say that and— you know, claim to and be, not be news, accountable. Exactly. And not be accountable. It's accountability is the most important thing, and we don't have any accountability. Well, on that note, uh, we want to thank you all for listening. You can follow us on Facebook Live at Jamal Dejani 2. You can go to our website, which is ArabTalkRadio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ArabTalk, and you can always send us an email to ArabTalk at KPO.com. We'll see you next week.